Interesting times. Very interesting times. Man, I'm glad we got that out of our system. Jeez. Oh, you guys don't know what we're talking about. Just a little aside. And you won't either. You will, because it's one of the podcasts. But anyway, the point is... You can't know, ruin the magic. You can't let the <laughs> people know that we record them back to back. I'm sorry. Just so emotionally drained from this week's events. And you know what, though? Is I it think amping up your are... anxiety? Yes. I can't handle it. I really do feel like where I'm from, which is the eastern suburbs. It's making me thrift. All this tension is bad for your chakras. Yeah, am I, do, yes. And my shoulders hurt. Negative energy. <laughs> it's permeating through your body. I need to go to one of those Chinese acupuncturists in one of those strip malls. Now, you need to go to India and do a uh, 10-day meditation retreat and post about it all over your, your Instagram and talk about how, how cultured you are. And that's not even an exaggeration. People actually no. do that. It's so pathetic. And the most pathetic part about that is, dude, I really want to go to one of those. A meditation retreat? Would you go? Um, maybe a day or two. I don't know if I'd do <laughs> a, ten, ten. a ten day one. People I just get bored, which is the point. The point. <laughs> but no, I like I like consuming. It hasn't given me. A, <laughs> it hasn't yet uh, filled me with any existential dread. Um, but sure, maybe by the time I'm in my forties, and if I'm uh, if I've uh, uh, made a fortune, but then just realise there's there's no meaning that comes with it. Sure, maybe I'll do a ten day meditation retreat. Right now, though, I'm um, I'm playing the game is, and yep. I'm I'm enjoying it. Deciding whether or not you're going to get a PlayStation Five if they have a new Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, that's the big questions in life. Look, with a moderate consumption is uh, is fine. Yeah, in moderation, and that is moderation, isn't it? One game. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's not even moderation. That's Spartan. Well, it's a great game. I mean, I would literally buy the console when they release the next Ratchet and Clank game. Mm. I just—it was the first uh, game I I ever got on PS2, and I've been obsessed with the franchise ever since. Mm. You got and, posters? Uh no, I haven't gone that far. But <laughs> there was—you know—there was a Ratchet and Clank movie. No. And Sylvester Stallone was one of the voices. They released it, though. When they released it, there were a few other uh, kids' movies in the theaters at the time, and it didn't do that well. But I was really close to seeing the movie, but I just knew the line. I would look so out of place in the line because I would have been maybe 21, and everyone else there would have basically been a 10-year-old boy with their mum. <laughs> so... You win anyway. I should have. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I, I still haven't seen the movie, but I, I haven't heard oh, that uh, been pathetic. positive reviews. But I wish it's a I great had that game. photo just to blackmail you as well. You lining up for the movie with a bunch of 10-year-olds oh. and then a man twice their size with a beard and a Ratchet and Clank shirt on. I don't think I'd be that... Uh, I don't think it would hold much sway over me because I wouldn't be ashamed of it. I'd probably well, you, you'd post it. you put it up it. as a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Good times at the line for the Ratchet and Clank premiere. Well, you can't not say that you're spiritually fulfilled, man. If you can get a humiliating photo of yourself, you're just like, can I have that as a frame? I, uh, I've clearly detached from my ego. I mean, is there a better example of that? I don't think so. Exactly. Dude, holy shit, you've gained Buddhism. <laughs> again. The key is again. one PlayStation game. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, if you haven't played Ratchet and Clank... Um, best video game period. 
So many big calls on this podcast. GTA is <laughs> nothing compared to uh, no. the incredible. It's it's of course not. It's a squirrel and a robot. <laughs> it's like an interactive Rick and Morty. Okay. And you know what? That's actually a really good description of it. And I back that. Having played half a game of it. Look, I think the, you nailed it. You marvel at the different worlds that these developers have created. These mm. are nerdy mm. developers created these fantastic intergalactic planets. Well, yeah, intergalactic worlds. And as a 10-year-old boy, it fills you with amazement. And mm. as a 26-year-old man, it fills you with just as much amazement. <laughs> Um, they never had a, a, a multiplayer, but they did. Actually, Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal, which I think third, was, that right? was the third one. Yeah. Oh, you, you see, you know about this. Um, that was one of the first ever multiplayer games that came out ever. <sighs> that sounds buggy as fuck. It was. It was really <laughs> poor, but it was a pioneer. And then they never did Oh, the next one was partic- was just a specific multiplayer game, but it wasn't that good a game. And then after that, they just never made any more multiplayer versions. But it would be perfect as a multiplayer game. Mm. If the game developers... uh, I think Insomniac is the development company that... They used to do Spyro as well, back on PlayStation 1. It has a very Spyro vibe. Yeah, and then they did um, Resistance, Fall of Man. And just because of my sheer loyalty to... uh, the franchise <laughs> to the, developers. the company the yeah. developers i bought all their games yes it's solitude with the nerds <laughs> how was it um resistance for the man it was, it was just like a classic uh fps it was okay i got pretty addicted to it in year nine though but it was no ratchet and clank let's be honest <laughs> not even close wait what do you think about spyro yeah i like spyro yeah yeah spyro was great as a kid, I really liked that. And then what was the other one? Jack and Daxter was a nice one. That was fun. Name escapes me. Sure, it exists. Crash Bandicoot. Oh yeah. Everyone loves Crash. Everyone loves Crash. That's the big one. And this is the this is the controversial opinion that must be raised. Mm-hmm. Crash Team Racing is better than Mario Kart. Changed my mind. I don't think I've played Crash Team Racing. Fair. No one has. But is it, it on a, what console? Secret. Is it on? Uh, PS. One? PS1, possibly PS2. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I think there was like a few variations of it. But man, if you're looking for a fun time and you're not at all ashamed of the fact that you are that 30-year-old boomer meme, and I'm not. I really like playing these old crap games from back then and going, wow, they don't even... They're just pixels on modern TVs now. Like I, I, I don't know. Like, is this 3D? I, I really every time you just uh, remind me of the fact that you're in your 30s, it's shocking. What you just do not come across because of my man child clothes. <laughs> There's that. There's just uh, many things. Many things that do not. <laughs> they <laughs> you don't give off the it's vibe like of a 30 year old. You know what? Actually, it was one of the nicest reviews I've ever gotten in my life. Someone said that Friendly Geordies, despite being a 30-year-old man, looks at home with his 15-year-old fan base. You, you couldn't write a nicer thing to me. I'm glad that I'm just some gawky, perpetual 15-year-old. It's mad. What, what a life. I don't know about 15, maybe, maybe 19. Look, the point is, 
it's like people think that I'm like at home with a bunch of pimply teenagers with that like little gawk in their neck. And dude, honestly, I, I really feel it as well. Whenever I'm around 15 year olds, they know what's up. Every, every subject that they're into, I'm into. Every time you ever talk okay. to 30 year olds of like, well, how's, are you thinking of changing jobs? Are you? Yeah, shifting it up. Mm, so you went furniture shopping on the weekend. That's mad. How that was the, sucks. How was the wedding? How was the wedding? When are you guys getting engaged? Yeah. Well, to um, be honest, uh, have I, you invested in index funds yet? Look, when are kids coming along? All of that kind of yeah, stuff. When that's are the that's kids? your thirties. That's your thirties. Who wants to talk about that? And then the forties is probably just uh, oh, how annoying are the kids? Yeah, that makes heaps of sense. <laughs> oh, complaining about how's the divorce? <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> that's true. And then, and then, and then, the, you know what? That's when the paths really diverge. The outcomes are so different by the time you hit your forties. Some people are just, uh, you know, divorced, miserable, doing terribly, versus people who are just excelling have a great family, are loving their family life, killing it in their career. Of course, the, the, the differences are still pronounced in, in your 20s and 30s, but for some reason, I just feel like that's when the paths really divide. Yeah, that Wouldn't ancient, you agree? Well, it's, dude, it's an ancient Chinese proverb, which is that if you're not handsome by the time you're 20 and you're not strong by the time you're 30 and you're not rich by the time you're 40, you'll never be strong, rich, and handsome. You just nailed it, man. Got to get strong. I got four more years. <laughs> I think I'm doing all right. I think that's what. Yeah, look, I, I think when they're saying strong, they just mean in health, and that would have been a huge plus when you were sure, in, in peasant China. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. no, that's that's really you see that a lot. A lot of happy family. This is always the there's always the difference that I see in a happy family and an unhappy family. Happy families have golden retrievers. Unhappy families have... What are they called again? Staffies. I swear every oh, burger my family, family had Shut a... Shut the fuck up! My family had a golden retriever. Yeah? Yeah. No, didn't work out. <laughs> That's just, not true. It's just like your average family. I wouldn't okay. say we were particularly unhappy, nor would mm. I say we're that... We're not the Flanders. You're not the But Flanders. we're not the Simpsons either. We're in between. We're closer family, to the Simpsons, though. But the Van Houtens. No, they divorced. Yeah, no, we're not. The, oh God. <laughs> no, okay, uh, no, Clancy and uh, whatever her name is, Wiggum. The Wiggums. There's not enough. Which makes you Ralph. There's not enough exploration <laughs> of the Wiggums in the Simpsons for me to comment as to uh, how much their life relates to my right. family life. But <laughs> right. look. Um, well, obviously, the first one you'd think about is the uh, Nahasapinma Petalons or whatever Apu's last name was. But not enough kids. No, not eight, not octoplets. <laughs> and um, dad did not work at Seven Eleven. Breaking stereotypes. Um, I'd say we're yeah we're just somewhere between on a scale of Simpsons to Flanders, we're sixty uh, percent towards the Simpsons. I'd say that. All right. Yeah. Which is probably just normal. Yeah, that actually sounds about right, doesn't it? 
That yeah. sounds like your average family. Yeah, look, Dad wasn't strangling me <laughs> and uh, takes not, points away, puts it towards Flanders. Not going to the bar every night, but mm-hmm. we weren't sitting there praying and um, saying grace every night either. So cucumber and cottage cheese and no. some nachos. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, it's the little things of that show. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, yeah. So, uh, what do you what do you want to what do you want to dive into? Want to dive into tonight? You know what it was, man. Actually, I just did a uh, interview with Jody McKay. Yeah, I haven't that seen I that one yet. I don't think it'll do well, obviously, because it's like an opposition leader. But. I wanted to do it to try and build up her profile and name recognition as much as I possibly can till the next election. When I was there... It's a long time to go. It's, it's a long time years. to go, but the thing is, I, I Sorry, really think years. that she has no name recognition whatsoever. Now, that is just a design. I didn't even know who the Labour leader in New South Wales was, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I think I did know it was her, but for a few months after uh, What's-His-Name lost... See, that's exactly. See, what's his name? <laughs> what, well, what's I know there name? was Luke Foley, and then he and then he um grabbed that girl's ass or whatever. Yeah, and then, and then um, I know his face, but I've completely, I've actually mind blanked. I do know. Look, I know who he was, but I've completely mind blanked on his name. See, but this, look, look, I, he was forgettable. I'm sorry, he was forgettable. He was dude, very forgettable. He was forgettable, but also he had no press coverage. This is the other thing. What was his name? <laughs> what was it again? Michael Daly. That's it. Jeez. Michael Daly's actually oh. a legend. I talk to him quite a bit. He's um not quite a bit. I just kind of like exchange tweets with him or whatever. He's dude, that guy's a funny cunt. He got like he got fucked over in the press like they all do, but yeah, you know, he, he takes it in good stride. Sure. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but can you cause I remember when that uh video came out of him talking about um Asians with PhDs taking your children's jobs. That I we just did a whole podcast talking about how I'm against um, the social justice mentality, but I didn't. I didn't. Of course, I don't know the context of how that speech um, came about, but that one didn't sound like a social justice thing or anything. That was just seemed like he was saying, "Hey, these Asians with PhDs are literally taking jobs from your kids." What is your understanding of that? No, no, no. Pricing them out of living in the city. And, dude, that's that's just fact. You go into the CBD of Sydney sure. and it's just filled with baller Chinese people. And that is a design of the economy. But is that what he said? Didn't he just say they're, ta- did he say you're, they're taking your jobs? No, not taking your jobs. It was about housing. He was okay. saying that they're taking away your houses. So it's, like, it's increasing housing affordability. Now, look, there's a multitude of factors as to why housing is so expensive in Australia. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely one of them, is the fact that... And look, I think that it brings more of a benefit than it does a disservice because really what they're trying to gear Australia into, and I'm down with this, is kind of like an Asian Dubai. That's what they want to turn Sydney into. Yeah. Which is why it's just a dead, culturally dead city now mm-hmm. like you go to melbourne you go to adelaide you go to brisbane has a vibe to it man sydney doesn't anymore but sydney they, they are trying to make this just a business hub where the richest people of asia just move their families here they make all their money in hong kong they flood the uh country with foreign investment that's basically what he was talking about there but dude 
And the thing is, look, Gladys Berejiklian, especially fucking John Barillaro, the current Deputy Premier, have said obscene things in the past. But again, what do they pick up on? Because they want Luke, uh, Mike Daly to lose. What have they? What have they said? When it comes like, to what are some of the worst things they've said? Like, dude, okay, John Barillaro basically like makes this his nickname. He's proud of this nickname. He calls himself Pork Barillaro. So he's making a virtue out of the fact that he stuffs certain electorates with money that don't need it to win seats. He just proudly touts that. He gets so little oversight that there's no... like Because, again, they want him in power, so they just don't report on that. He's a constant embarrassment to the Liberals and Nationals because of how uh-huh. much he runs his mouth. Another thing... In ICAC, the Anti-Corruption Commission, perjured himself nine times. He lied nine times in court. Now, if you lie in court once, if you were you or I, you'd be in jail. This motherfucker lied nine times. Never reported in the press once. These are serious, serious things that these people do. The other day, actually, did get a bit of press, but not that much, and it wasn't around the election. But he's sent all these text messages to... Uh, Michael McCormick, who's also a kind of don't like him either, but he's the head of the Nationals, and he's just sent all these text messages just being like, you are a fucking dog. Fuck you. I think you're the biggest piece of shit in the world. Like all this shit, you know? (laughs) Like they don't show that. It's just they show Michael Daly saying something that is taken out of context to try and shift a few votes that have, uh, shift a few seats that have a strong Asian population against them, and it worked. Now, that was the whole design of that. It's always the same thing. Like, Luke Foley may or may not have touched an ass. May or may not have. We, we still don't even know. This is just his word against hers, right? And, again... Didn't he admit to it? No. No, he never admitted to it. See, this is oh, the whole okay. thing about how the press works. They just mm. push this narrative, and so this is what you get out of it, right? Um, he said it never happened. Anyway, regardless of whether it did or didn't happen fired as opposition leader for grabbing someone's ass while you're drunk. I don't know about that. I mean, sure, like there's sexual assault and stuff like that, but man, I've been in a lot of parties drunk and drunk chicks that I do not want to have sex with just being like, ah, friendly Johnny's. I'm grabbing my dick. Just giving my dick a squeeze. I don't want that person to be like, their life ruined or anything like that. I just understand, whoa, she's drunk, you know? Hmm. It's, but anyway, that's like one of the things that I think it was, about. It was right in the midst of the Me Too movement. So, well, it was also the thing that Luke Foley was an effective opposition leader that uh, Alan Jones and Ray Hadley liked. Hmm. So the Liberals weren't having that. And who covered their ass? The ABC. This is why everyone always goes like, the ABC left. It doesn't work like that. It's, hmm. it's so stupid to put it like that. Yeah, I mean, look, I. It's one thing talking about federal Australian politics, which I would say I have like a rudimentary knowledge of what's going on. State politics is something I should research a bit more because I... Um, There's a lot of power in states. Mm, I a know. lot of power. Yeah. And uh, just as a, as a citizen and as a voter, I should really be looking into it some more. Oh, dodgy shit goes down, man. In fact, there's like... Dude, I, I've just been learning shit about like the nationals. Man... The Nationals, just because they have their seat, no matter what, they get away with obscene shit, like amazing levels of corruption. And it's all on a state level, obviously. Because, again, because nobody pays attention to it. 
That's the whole thing. All the worst things happen on a state level. And they have huge consequences to your daily life. Like all of the things like, you know, how the hospitals are run, traffic, um, you know, what, what happens in terms of development in your region and stuff like that. that that's all state issues. So the things that directly affect you, that happens here. So anyway, I was interviewing her to, to mm-hmm. bring up yeah. her public profile. Sure. Anyway, came across her. Um, she's unlike any other politician I've ever met. Every other politician that I've met, they're an impressive person, very educated. I always think this, regardless of whether they're liberal or labor, I think that they are a better person than I am. They're much more functional, much more socially intelligent person than mm-hmm. I am. I can only imagine you'd have to be extremely conscientious to be an effective politician. You'd have to have good oratory, um, good public speaking skills, and be intelligent. Um, be There's just an amalgamation of so many skills you would need to mm. be an effective politician. And extreme levels of social acuity. Yeah. They, they're, they're really good at not making any moment awkward, which is just really obvious in my interview with her. But When like, does that happen? Because I've spoken to people who are young Labour and young Liberal people, and they show none of those traits. I know. So at, when, at what point in their life does that happen? Because they, they all came from that system. staffers. That's the difference. So, they don't be MPs. <laughs> I think that's the difference. <laughs> they're all terrible. They are. Yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> But I, I swear, most of them end up being staffers and bureaucrats. They don't end up being the face. But, but aren't the people who are the face, they started off as, usually, don't they start off as, you know, University of Sydney, young Labour, young Liberal types? Yeah, like the, the ones that are politicians now, but I can't imagine the ones that were politicians in this current climate growing up to be them because they'd just be too unlikable and weird. I mean, I've got a video coming out about Scott Morrison and he was extremely unliked in high school and university. Just throughout his entire life, he was unliked. That's a rare case. People like Tony Abbott and your Malcolm Turnbulls, your Joe Hockeys, your Anthony Albanese's, your Bill Shortens, they're all legends throughout high school and uh, throughout uh, university. Like, obviously, that culture's just gone completely out the door and, like, I don't know, when we've been growing up or whatever... But I know what you mean when you're talking about student, young liberal, and young labor. Yeah, and I know a lot of them would probably listen to this podcast. But I'm <laughs> but not. What, I'm not sorry. You like are. you, you are like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're just these slimy weirdos that are constantly handing out pamphlets. So much. Get grease. away from me. And pimples. I would vote for the person who's like, yeah, I'm gonna put coke in the bubblers. Cool. <laughs> they seem like a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> So much less intense and in the wars in Iraq. I think that's a bit above your jurisdiction, dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they. I was, I was yeah, I was talking to her, and I think that is very apparent in the interview. She is a really likable person. Mm-hmm. She sticks out in my mind, actually, as one of the most likable, easy to get on with people I've ever met in my life. And cool. Like I, you know, I, I can't imagine if if you just had a level playing field of who you wanted, and you just had Gladys Berejiklian versus Jody McKay, it just it wouldn't be even close, right? But while I was sitting there, and uh, I was so what. Um, what traits did she have that made her particularly likable compared to, say, 
uh, Kevin Rudd, who you've also interviewed. I mean, Kevin Rudd is extremely likable as well, but he comes off as someone who's just way better than you. And he is. There's no yeah. doubt that he like he became prime minister of this country as a labor politician. That that is something that's really happened in our entire lifetime, uh, in our entire nation's history. You have to be an extremely crafty politician to get into that position, even for a couple of years, like he did. Right? You're going against the entire machine. He did that. He's an incredibly impressive person. I'm enamored by that man more so than I was before I met him. He's got like a star power to him. But this is the difference. He's a star. Jodie McKay is a human. Jodie McKay just comes off as like the sickest mum of all time. You just really, you, you know she'd be a mad friend. Mm-hmm. She's got that country girl vibe of like, you need a lift out if you want. She's got that kind of vibe to it. She's okay. really, really nice and forthcoming. Cool. I'll have to, I, like I said, I haven't actually seen the interview. Do you, do you think because you know, your bias would have influenced your interpretation of her likability? No, I don't think it would have because, look, I'm not going to mention people that I've met in the labor movement or whatever that I don't like. Sure. I think they're cunts. Okay. You know, and also I've met liberals that I think, you know, on a personal level, you're mad. Mm-hmm. It's just, look, I, 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 I'm not saying this because I hate Gladys Berejiklian's policies. But I hate Gladys Berejiklian as a person. She's a bad person. She just comes off as like knee, like weedy and uh, nervous and weaselly. Uh, she she's she's she doesn't come off as like a. She doesn't come off as like remotely personable, and this is the people that you get from like staffers and behind the scenes and whatever. They say the same thing. She's just some kind of technocrat that just sits there writing papers all day and doesn't like speaking to people and whatever. This is okay. very obvious. Jody McKay. I don't get that. Is a life I mean, of the party. I don't study it as much as you do. I don't get the Weasley vibe from her. I don't exactly get You know what you need? A and this star is... power or extreme likability vibe from her either. But this is I'm imagining that what you're watching is a bunch of interviews where she's just talking to a bunch of cameras and microphones in front of her. Yeah, I've never met her. Yeah, I've never met her in person. What you need to do is you need to watch things like her being interviewed by Kyle and Jackie O. This is the reason that I wanted to do this with Jodie McKay as well, because I heard from all of the things that I heard from uh, before I met her, that she's a really nice, likable person. Mm -hmm. So I made the interview extremely relaxed. Yeah. Right? To let her personality shine. Just very Joe Rogan-y, just talking about whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, People in the comments were kind of complaining about it, just being like, Ooh, this was shallow and shit like that. It's not about that. It's about name recognition and showing that she's a sick person because that's at the end of the day what gets people over the line is when they kind of have this thing in their head of that person's a mad person. And Jody McKay yep. is, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's the thing. Anyway, I was just talking to her. We were, just, we were having a laugh. Um, she was great. Everybody loved her. She left the room. Everybody was like, what an awesome... What, what, she just killed it, right? I was just thinking about it, man. I was like, this is, she's, she's almost from a different time. It feels like it's like from the nineties or whatever. I feel like in the nineties, there was a lot of these very impressive politicians that were just like, yeah, you can have a beer with them. They seem mad, you know? Mm. Now I just, man, I feel like the whole world now is just way more tense. It's kind of just accepted now that your leaders 
And I think that's just a great representation of your country is, is where the public persona kind of lies because they're trying to model themselves to market to as many people as possible. If you look at leaders from the beginning of Federation, yeah. a lot of them were bosses. You could tell that they were ballers, like just like really burly cunts with cravats that are these really stern faces. You could tell that like if you looked them the wrong way, they'd order you be publicly flogged. They had this kind of boss physique about them. Yeah. Now they all just look like little nerds, weedy little nerds, all of them. Do you think that has something to do with the uh, processes of, of politics? You know, they wouldn't have been career politicians in the same way back in... They definitely weren't. Federation. And yeah, you're right. There's something that's... National service would have been a thing, so everyone would have had to serve in the army, which <laughs> probably have toughened a lot of people up. I think a lot of the politicians today, myself included, would have probably died. <laughs> well, I would, have, I would have died in the trenches. I mean, don't you think that has a major <laughs> part to play? I hate thinking that when you see those Saving Private Ryan movies and they're all running off those steel boats and then mm. like as soon as the, the door opens, two of them just get shot and fall in the water. And oh. I always just sit there and like, that's going to be fucking me. Like if I was there, I wouldn't yes. even like hit the beaches. <laughs> Straight out of the, as soon as the door opens. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. No. At all. No. I mean, well, people, uh, Vietnam vets are still alive and dealing with terrible PTSD. Yeah, and they were conscripted. There was no choice, and that's, that was and not lo- that what 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's 50 or crazy. 60 years ago. But yeah, um, I know. Look, I can see what you mean, especially with Australian politicians. But don't you think it's like kind of a reflection or gauge of where society is, or a lack that- of better options? It could be that as well. Maybe no. Maybe those burly, strong men aren't going into politics. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. that like it's just, it's a reflection of the times that you're in. And I think because when you just look at virtually every politician, and this is the cool thing that was about Jody McKay. I mean, look, I would say some kind of joke that you could tell she wasn't used to because she doesn't do, you know, your top 40 kind of interviews much or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But you can, I can tell that if you said that to another politician, some dumb joke that, you know, they would have just tensed up and, and kind of just... And I've done that in situations with other politicians before. You've said something... What you, was the joke? I don't know, just being like, what about like the crackheads in your electorate or something like that? Okay. And I, I know that like... You know, most people's most politicians are just like, I'm not commenting on that. You know, like they'd have that response to it. Sure. Jody McKay's response was kind of just like, <laughs> anyway, you know, like it's <laughs> there's two different ways of approaching it, sure. right? She was just much more warm about it. And I just think that now the fact that every politician is so tense is a reflection of the fact that I think society is really tense, just in a very hippie sense of the word. I think that I don't know what it is. It's just like an underlying level of anxiety that exists today. And I, what, what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> okay. Because like, it's a, it's now a... it's just so simple. That's what I sure, wanted to okay. nut out. I, just, I very... really think that's where we are. So these are really broad um, strokes. Are, are you saying just politicians? <laughs> or uh, Everyone. Everyone is really... Are you talking about being um, 
uh, overly cautious about what we say or just yeah, that's one of them. lack of authenticity. Yeah. And how do you know, are you just basing this off interviews that you've seen from yesteryear or um, any other accounts where you, where you can just tell people were more relaxed or? Uh, dude, again, this is just pure vibing here. There's no facts or stats to back you. Sure. But like this is, if you, if, look. Nice change from our last one. I know, finally. Jesus. This is how we feel. <laughs> this is my truth. And you're going to listen. This is how I feel, so it's true. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to really counter this as well. I think that's like, it's, it's, I'm not, it's again, only I'm, one way you could do this. I'm not necessarily, I'm not disagreeing with you either. I'm just, uh, I, look, I didn't live in the is. I didn't live in the eighties and nineties, so I don't know what the general demeanor of the average person was. But me either. But you, you, I wouldn't. Nec- I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I think. But you um, look at film. Yeah. You know what? Another gauge that someone True. was putting out, dude. American Pie, Euro Trip, fucking hilarious movies. To yeah. This day, feel good teen romps. What are feel good teen romps now? They're like Lady Bird, where it's just like. Mom, I'm having stress, and she's got dyed hair, and she's sitting there just the whole time, just like this kind of thing of, um, what even are we? And there's, there's like all of this, yeah, all of this, like mm, I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous. Constant That's tension. Constant tension. Whereas American Pie was kind of just like, dude, I super glued my dick to my hair to like. It was a different time. There was a different vibe okay. going through society back then. And like, even if you talk to people <laughs> yeah. from that generation. You know how kind of just most people, as we were talking in previous pods about it, most people, they kind of just get to a peak, say 21 or something like that, and they're just like, yeah, it's just 1983 every year from now on. And they just kind of live in that time capsule. Oh, uh, okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we're all living in 2020. Yeah. But, you know, I might be living in fucking 2008. And you might be living in fucking 2012 or 2013 or whatever, right? Yeah. And like everyone's just kind of, but we're all living together, but we've all just kind of, unless you're like really conscious of it, you just stick in a certain time frame of your life. I think that people that are older than us seem to have a more, you know, they, they seem to be more laid back than our generation, for instance. Sure. Um, just off the top of my head, um, many people, myself included, would say social media and the internet would have played a major role. It must. In uh, have to. that just general sense of anxiety that exists within our generation. Um, I think, well, what do you think about the uh, hypothesis that because our generation... Uh, has become more cognizant of global issues such as climate change, um, overpopulation. Um, I'm sure there are others. Just can't come to that. Aren't coming to my mind right now. But previous generations didn't have to think about those major global issues in the same way, and were generally. Uh, although, then again, the, they had the Cold, Cold War. War and things like that. Yeah. No, fair And Cold War fair, was way more immediate fair than enough. global warming. And then World War Two. you know what? Yeah, look, forget that I said that. See, this is what I'm saying, though, that they, those generations actually had... And you know what it actually reminded me of as well? It was just by random chance was just watching Fight Club again. 
there's this scene in it. I hate this how everyone's always in podcasts. Like, I watched this movie the other day, but look, it's happening. Um, there was this point in Fight Club, and I know that this movie is from the 90s, but I think that it's just kind of intensified since then, where it was this idea that there's no war for our generation. So our war has kind of just become more spiritual and we're kind of just a purposeless, purposeless wafting generation. Every other generation had some kind of solidity to it apart from Gen X, Gen Y and Gen Z. There was, there was something kind of pushing that generation in a direction. Gen X had 9-11... Which I know is not a like, you know. <laughs> well, it's a you know war uh, war against terror. It's just it's not. It would World have been war part II, of the con- no, but at the time it was a huge part of the national consciousness. I know, and this is the whole thing, right? I think. That- I mean, even someone your. I mean, when I when it happened, I was what seven. For you, you would have been eleven or twelve. So yeah, I think it was eleven. Would have influenced you a lot more. No. See, the whole thing was it just happened. It was out of my mind. It wasn't there. It wasn't this prevalent threat constantly or it wasn't a defining thing. I don't know, like your depressions and all those kind of things. So maybe... Some people would say we're now... This is the defining struggle of our generation. Coronavirus and then the impeding economic uh, depression that's going to ensue. And also these really harsh battle lines that are drawn with culture so all these things combined maybe are almost like our war yeah but <laughs> yeah i know they don't really compare <laughs> to world war Two, do they no it's not the same it's we not. don't have anything but, but what do you want really do you want a war no, I'm just trying to figure out why the fuck is everyone so tense these days. Louis C.K. was saying it best when he was yeah. saying that this generation is the lamest generation. And I can't fault that. He's saying, like, you're, you are, as 21-year-olds, talking like 70-year-olds of older generations. You can't say that. That's rude. You're 21. <laughs> you're supposed to be rude. That's a good point. That, that point <laughs> is, is that in his exposed set? I don't know. It was, and that was a really good point. He was saying, yeah, like, was you mad. should be finger-fucking each other and getting drunk. Yeah. But most um, 21-year-olds are. It's a, it's but a, it's a vocal why minority. Why mask there? And also, man, like, I talk to 21-year-olds all the time and 18-year-olds. Dude, I think they're, like, look, I will give them this. I think they're smarter. I think they're, on, in, on an aggregate, smarter. Every generation seems to be getting more intelligent and more conscious of how the world operates. And I think that's why Gen Z doesn't buy the SJW shit that, say, Gen Y and certainly Gen X did. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they're a lot more wily to how the world works. But I think it's also just this thing of their mind is kind of just hooked into a computer. So I think those two things are working for it. It's just it's what you said of the fact that you're just in the internet all the time, just constantly with this like manufactured drama in your face as soon as you wake up. Yeah. But then I think the other thing as well is that you just don't have an aim. Somebody really described it really. I was listening to this Russian Duma music. It's mad. Soviet pop okay. is amazing. Okay. And it's actually kind of what's happening now. I think as well, like all Soviet pop is incredible. And it's just this, 
all the Russians in it were saying, you have to listen to it for the vibe. Don't under, doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't, you couldn't say anything in Soviet Union. It's all about, it's all about the vibe. And the vibe is just in Soviet Union, everything's gray and your life just doesn't go anywhere. So you're just constantly in this void for the rest of your life. Yeah. And everybody, or that's why, because it's, it's a thing that's hitting Gen Z at the moment. Gen Z loves this Soviet pop. It's getting huge numbers. It's because they, they relate to it. And you listen to mumble rap, it's basically the fucking same. Okay. Is, is all of Gen Z getting into Soviet pop or is it just a... Well, like everything now, no one's into everything anymore sure. because that's not how things work. But there's a yeah. it's, it's big. Like a lot of these you know long playlists that are hour, an hour and a half long, two million, three million views for Soviet pop from the 80s? Why is that hitting Gen Z kids? But is that uh, is that a reflection of the average um, Gen Z person, or is it just more the people you interact with? Because I'd imagine your fans would be very aware of how the world operates, but the average fifteen year old today wouldn't they just be looking at TikTok dances or something? That's true. Maybe that's that's. Like again, I'm I'm talking about aggregates here. There's always going to sure. be dumbasses in every generation. I I could be completely wrong about it, but look, even the younger people in my team, yeah. I look at them and they understand the world way better than me, and and way better than I understood the world at eighteen. How how so? What uh, makes them understand the world so well? It's just look all the things that I uncovered over the last six years that they're listening to, it's just common knowledge to them now, right? Like if you talk to older generations and you say that Gough Whitlam was removed because of the CIA, they'd laugh you off as a conspiracy theorist, but everyone under that generation now is just like, yeah, of course, obviously it's just, it's just another path of the course thing. They just, they actually are more woke, (laughs) but like in the, in the original sense of the word. But again, wouldn't you, surely that's just, the people, the ones working for you would would have that awareness and that kind of knowledge. But I don't know. I'm hesitant to believe that just the average 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old would have all this incredible knowledge that um, 18-year-olds 20 years ago wouldn't have. Well, like okay. 90% of 18-year-olds from every generation are just, you know, trying to fuck each other and... Consuming yes. whatever is the obviously pop culture of their time for sure, for sure. That's definitely true. But the the difference was my generation thought Barack Obama was a savior, uh-huh. whereas Joe Biden is saying I'm the next Barack Obama. That's all he's saying. The whole thing is just like it'll be a Barack Obama 2.0. Gen Z is not excited by that. Gen Z was Gen Z was really excited by Bernie Sanders, so they understand what's going on in the world more. They're a lot more clued in than older generations are. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing. And I honestly, it is definitely a thing of them just being hooked into the net. So they're uh, exposed to a lot more opinions mm-hmm. than previous generations were. That's part of it. So I think the anxiety starts kicking in from there. Well, I mean, Biden's just not as... He can say he's the next Obama, but he's he's got none of the traits of Obama as well. True. So I don't think even the older generations, I don't think they'd have the same enthusiasm about Biden that they would have had for Obama. That's true as well. But let's just reverse it. If Obama was running against Bernie Sanders, I think the majority of Gen Z would vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I don't have any reason to doubt that. 
I think it's, yeah, again, the older generations that would be voting for Obama. Um, so, yeah, when it, when it was like... A, I think you'd get more of the vote. I think you'd get a higher percentage of the Gen Z vote than Biden would, though. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, you know, that woke vote or whatever that's just voting for Obama because he's black, mm. I think that would be a lot higher in Gen X and Gen Y than it would be in Gen Z. I don't think they're looking at that kind of stuff. I actually do think that they actually just understand. But okay, yeah, you're right. Most mostly they're just you know trying to finger fuck like all nineteen year olds are. Fuck, I'm still trying to do that. You know how it is. Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> Dude, and you know how it is. <laughs> we all yeah. know the struggle. Um, but yeah, like. If if so there was this sick comment in it, and doesn't this just sound right? This is their this is their view, and it had it had the most likes in one of those uh these compositions of this Soviet pop I was listening to. It was one of the highest. And it said, "Being an adult, going from being out of high school and into an adult, high school is just like completing." all the missions in GTA and being an adult is just when you just have free map and you just do whatever the fuck you want on the map and there's no aim or direction in it. This is like, that's their view of adult life now. I don't know if that's yeah. how previous generations would have thought about being an adult. <laughs> so they have less, <laughs> they have less hope. Is that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there were um, groups in my cohort, which is latter millennial, early Gen Z, whatever you want to call it, that were extremely nihilistic. Um, do Do you think that's just more pronounced in in Gen Z now? Not nihilistic to that level. You're probably talking about those kids that were emos, you know, and ba- shit. yeah, ba- basically. Well, there were the emos, and then there were the the people that then became hipsters, so mm. the ones that were searching out the, oh, I'll listen to this cool drum and bass or what I don't know. <laughs> I was so out of it that I don't know what was the... What the cool kids were. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was to, man, I was still listening to Chingy. So, <laughs> man, I was way out of it, which would probably be ironically cool now, <laughs> wouldn't it? Listen to Chingy? Hell yeah. I reckon. Well, when did it not cease being cool? Exactly. Um. Yeah, look, I don't. I don't know if uh, I don't talk to a lot of people from from Gen Z. Although, then again, when does when's the cutoff? Ninety six, isn't it? So I'm right on the cusp of. So I'm ninety four. Um. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I personally wouldn't haven't seen that kind of a difference but i'm not actively looking out for it either when these things you know actually i guess okay you're not actively looking out for it but i also think that there's kind of like a blur between gen y and gen z yeah these kind of obviously those generations are going to cross over and then there's going to be a blur between gen x and gen y Mm -hmm. um and then when's the new generation? because does gen z go from 96 all the way to 2020 surely there would be another one there somewhere you know over the last few years a new one would have started 
They're fucked. Whoa. <laughs> Look at the world they're inheriting. Shit. The ones that are like four or five yeah. now. The, our kids. Gen Y's kids. Yeah. Which is fuck all of. You know what else yeah, is really weird? Yeah, that's the thing. None of us are, gonna, none of us none are of having kids. kids. None of us are. No. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, no one middle and upper class are having kids. But um, religious people are all still having like six, seven kids. Mm. And... And bogans are all having like ten kids with ten different dads. I know this is a huge generalization, but that's but true. I know plenty of uh, people younger than me, way younger than me, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, that have already got two or three kids. Damn. Yeah, and they just live out. They might not live in Sydney. They usually move either quite far west or to more country areas. Mm. I think we are in a bit of a cultural echo chamber. Even though we actively talk about people in that hipster bubble as being in an echo chamber, I think we still are of course. also in an echo chamber. Yeah, so you can't deny it. No, we definitely are in the cultural echo chamber. And obviously when you're just talking about these stupid generalizations, really all you can do is kind of just tease out hmm. Broad observations that you've had, so you just you're instantly going to be in the bubble when you say that. Nevertheless, I stand by. People are more tense. Yeah, <laughs> such a stupid point. I agree with that, but I don't know if that's just that um, is necessarily only applicable to Gen Z. I, I think um, everyone's more tense now. So yeah, it's the epoch of our times. But why is that? I would guess social media is a huge factor. It has to be, yeah. surely. Yeah, the and con- I think I do the remember anxiety that. and the the second guessing and the the social pressure. I all mean, all of that. Yeah, my mate Mislov was at my house and he forgot to bring his charger. Mm-hmm. So sad. He said it was the happiest day he could remember because everything else just becomes a blur. When you're looking at your phone, you're I just swear, constantly scrolling. Yeah, yeah, man. I really think that the internet was pretty much just good for like Jeff Bezos, us, and cunts that sell shit on eBay. Who else? Who else is it good for? Even for us, I mean, what would we have been doing without the internet? And who knows if we would have been better comedians because we wouldn't have been um, the the. Uh, the 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 skill which we would have been refining would have been very different to what we're doing now. I mean, look, we would have been on. Let's be honest, we'd probably like been Rove or hey hey Saturday yeah, for five like minutes, but we would have been just recently on it. True, don't you think? We would have been grinding it for ten years, and we would have probably, got our yeah. little three minutes, and then Red Simon's. But. The live gigs, the uh, the financial opportunities in live comedy were so much better, even just 10 years ago. But if you go back 15, 20, 25 years, you could be rich just being a club comedian. Really? Yeah, I what mean... What do you define as rich? Well, okay, okay. Grand a year. Um, in London, maybe... But from what I've heard, the... the uh, club comedy scene in Sydney in, in the late 80s into the 90s was booming and you could do three, four gigs a night and it was almost like what New York is now. I heard this and I was in shock, but this is what some of the older guys tell me. Um, in London, 
more than 100k you, you could make i mean you, even when i was doing live gigs in london this was five years ago you got 200 pounds for a 20 minute spot now mm. the exchange rate back then i was making nearly 400 bucks for 20 minutes mm. and you could do if you were well known enough and you were an established name you could do potentially three gigs a night so you could be making a grand a night right as a club comedian mm. in in london not a name really no, and so you'd Just be established. It's a different thing. Rich, you'd be, uh, and you'd be working seven grand a week, an hour a night. It would have been like what a life. That would have been absolutely sick. But <laughs> uh, now that has gone down dramatically. Even when I was, do- I went to the London comedy scene and thought, my goodness, there's so many opportunities here for live comedy, and the the comedians are actually good there. They're you have to be a good comedian. You can't just talk about random shit and get applause. You you have to be funny. But I mean, the open mics were there was there were there would be lines for the open mics. There were the the um, the process of making it to um, a working club comedian would have been a lot more arduous, and um, only the cream of the crop would have gotten there. Mm. Whereas in Australia. Honestly, if you just go to enough gigs, you'll start getting paid gigs. Really? Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Now, now I don't know. Now after COVID, I don't even know how many comedy rooms are going to reopen. Because a lot I've already seen on Facebook, a few have said, "Unfortunately, we've had to close down," and all this. It's, it's sad, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the promoters would try to find another bar eventually, but I mean, live comedy in Australia is. There's just nothing there, really. You can't. There are cl- there are touring comedians in Australia. That, anyway, really? I've, I've sidetracked it. Yeah, and they're the best. If anyone wants to go see a live comedy show, don't even. I can't believe I'm saying this. Don't, don't even come, come to, to see us. us. Mm. Go and see the people who just do cruise ship after cruise ship, who do tough gig after tough gig, because they are so much better. Because they've had to do impossible gigs every night for months on end, for years on end. And they've been doing it for 20, 30 years. Mm. They're so much better than anyone with a with a name in Australia. And I, yeah, I, 50% of it is look, just them stocked calls, isn't it? Yeah. Just like, yeah, fuck you, man. There's a bit of that. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's but awesome. They, look, they know, they know how to, um, because they're used to performing to crowds that don't know who they are, so you have to win them over. Damn. And... That's why, I, man, I had a two-year visa that I was going to stay in London for for a while and do some of the gigs there. Um, and I stayed there about four or five months. And first of all, um, you have to book so far in advance. You have to book sometimes a year and a half, two years in advance. So I'd booked all the first three months of gigs and I thought, oh, yeah, once I get there, I'll just keep going. No, you couldn't. Even though I did really well at those gigs, but then a lot of the promoters were like, yeah, if there's a dropout, I'll give you a spot. Damn. And I'm not going to stay in a in On the you know pay chance. rent in London, um, hoping that I'll get a few more. Although then again, I've got friends that have done it that way, and they've actually been quite successful at it. So credit to them. Um, but knowing that I had an audience here, I just came back. But but anyway, I completely sidetracked there. We were talking about how people are tense, and then somehow got onto. Um, how did we even get on? How did I even get onto that tangent? Man, it's talking about it's the nineties. Relative though, it's 80s. all relative. Yeah, because sure. 
They really are. Comedians kind of are just the frogs of the ecosystem. They kind of tell you how your ecosystem is functioning. And I think that is a really good... Man, you watch a gig from the 90s and what they're talking about and you watch a gig what they're talking about now. And I think that actually the, the real creme de la creme of that would probably be watch more mediocre comedians. Don't watch the ones that were geniuses of their generation because they're going to be talking about stuff that no one else was. Mm-hmm. They're just going to be a bit like, you know, you run of the mill. You run of the mill 90s comedian was talking about just teeny innocuous observations of life. Lord, they were of that. good at it, huh? They were good at it. It was, no, dude, it was funny. It yeah, was great. There's no appetite for anything else. There's no appetite for anything else. Everything Everybody's going it, well. It feel good. Yeah. Go go nineties. Then um, 9-11 hit. Uh, what dot com bubble nine eleven? Then there were a few. What happened after nine eleven? I committed terrorist. Some good, I guess. Then there was some good years, but then apparently I heard after things the, got darker. Yeah, after the um, after nine eleven in the Iraq war, there was actually a little bout of political correctness. Then even in the comedy scene, because there was such a strong anti-Muslim sentiment in Australia, America, etc. Um, then yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was too young to really. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I remember the right. anti-Muslim sentiment, but. Yeah, comedians started talking about that. Like, so much of it was just that. Of, yeah, okay. You know, you don't have to... Just because you're Muslim doesn't mean you're a terrorist. Heaps of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> still going on. Um, and then 2008 was the JFC, which hit uh, hit America a lot. It still hit here. Um, and then everything was kind of going okay, but that's when social media came about. So suddenly... You're exposed to all these different ideas. You've got all this technology that is foreign to you that we're still trying to come to terms with and understand the best way to navigate a life with a smartphone. And then things were going all right, and then boom, coronavirus and, what, 40% unemployment now. So it has been a pretty tumultuous two decades compared to, say, the 80s and 90s, right? Mm-hmm. The 80s and 90s, the Cold War was still kind of going on, but it had, was it still as intense then? I don't know. Obviously, I wouldn't know. No, well, the but... Cold War by the 80s was just, that was just pure propaganda by then. They yeah. used to have all these ads of some Soviet pilot just, you know, dripping blood over the planet or whatever. But if, if you know, the, the, the decision makers would sure. have known that the Soviet Union was grinding to a halt. Sure. So 80s and 90s, there weren't any major wars um probably a lot of great movies um there was a lot of great movies actually the the um from what i've seen with the statistics that the 80s was when the big divide between um increase in uh wealth and increase in um Poverty. wages were just mm. becoming more pronounced but through the 80s and 90s it would have been less than what it is now so the average middle class family were probably pretty happy. I don't know. I'm totally speculating here. No, it's true though. So there was nowhere near as much economic pressure on them there as there is today. Yeah, and then everyone had a house, and um, Damn, there was dude. probably a bit more of that kind of casual racism where people would make jokes. But I want to, you know what? People who were minorities back then probably didn't care as much. They were just happy. They were they were like, oh wow, I'm in America and Australia. This is fun. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what they were talking about. The intensity of the language kind of just they decided that it was intense because yeah again louis ck was talking about in the 70s you're just able to call people retarded that was just yeah that, that no, was their name always, exactly so the, the, the sensibilities are always changing but then again um in those times there was probably a bit more re- still uh religious conservatism and i don't know if you'd be able to get away with the kind of sexual innuendo or um atheist talking points that then See, again, that was the whole thing there was that smug atheism that came out in the early noughties but yeah that was the thing early noughties so then again you look at some of the pop culture in the 80s and 90s it was pretty raunchy yeah like we look at today's uh rappers and think wow look how hedonistic this is but yeah, there was I've Madonna seen some in stuff the 80s. in the 80s. And and then even if you look at... I, I've read statistics that say um, boomers had the most casual sex on average, Gen X had a bit less, and millennials actually have had the least. Mm. Desp- despite all the apps and all the f- supposed freedoms, boomers still... See, this is the thing that banged I think it out the most. To, yeah, exactly. Did the most drugs. It's Dude, I think it's really scary. It's, it's, I think the internet... I kind of noticed it when I was looking at my nieces. They were they were looking at their phones and they were never having any tantrums and they were they're really well behaved and I like them a lot. I like both of them heaps. I really like hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of have this resigned wisdom to them that I think is a result of the fact that everything that they could ever want is kind of in their hand and they know on some level that they don't have it and I guess that that's where you kind of just get the sadness of it but it also scratches the itch of wanting to go after it yeah so if you ever want to say I don't know say that you want to just which is a really basic example a chair you just look at a picture of a chair and your mind thinks that you have it and like what we were discussing before with sex and how the lower thing is because of porn. Mm-hmm. It's because your brain thinks that you fucked a MILF. Mm. Right. We have, <laughs> yeah, we, we have everything we could ever desire in the palm of our hands. Yeah. So there's nothing to yeah. chase. There's, uh, there's nothing to chase anymore. There's no goals in life. I think that's it. No meaning. I think that's it. When you just, and it's just a basic tenement to your own personal life. As we we're always talking about, if you don't have a direction in life, that is what happens. Yeah. You just become a blubbering mess. Sure. And, and then just uh, to conclude this one, how, how do you then relate that? Where did this come about when you were interviewing Jody, who you said is, comes across as a nice country girl? What, how old is she? Is, what gener- 40s. She'd be in her 40s. 40s. So she's Gen X. Or would she yeah. even be early... No, she'd be Gen X. She could even be early millennial. Because the millennial started 1980. If she's early 40s, then she would be late Gen X. Well, I don't actually know her name, uh, her age, but I'm guessing that she's in her 40s. Is she a career politician or did she do anything else before? Before that, she worked at NBN in Newcastle. Okay. So this is the thing. She, she has that authenticity that a lot of people in the country have about her. But, man, I just remember being there in her presence and thinking she's an opposition leader and I'm just having a mad time talking to her. She's just she's just a fun, open person. Yeah. And, yeah, just my experience with politicians, 
Even if I'm not interviewing them, when there's three cameras pointed at them in a room full of cameramen, if I'm not even doing that, mm. most politicians, when you're just talking to them one-on-one, you can see that there's all these guards in their mind. And they're very good at deflecting them. And I find that a really impressive trait. But they're constantly thinking like, fuck, he's saying that, I need to say that, you know, like to, to nullify that. They're, they're, it's just, it's, it seems hellish. But that came, didn't that come about from the kind of 70s, 80s, 90s, constant, um, the expose of various politicians and the success of American politicians like Clinton and then Obama in the 2000s, so that they're that very polished, charismatic, um, what's his name, Karl Kalinske always talks about, the, the guy who does this, yeah. they're always doing that, so they're yeah. trained to yeah. act, and, and it's it's they're not themselves, they're just this focus group tested, Mm. shell mm, mm. of a charismatic leader mm. and then people like trump and bernie came along and they're the antithesis to that they're just as authentic as they possibly can be and they don't care about any of that stuff they just say what they want yeah well and also on top of that you can see that trump just being president for four years he's much less that than he was four years ago it definitely starts seeping into you after a while. I don't know mm-hmm. what the answer is to it. It's just when I was sitting there, I was just thinking, Jody's. It was basically that. It was just. It, it was weird to see a politician that is a person. And then I just started thinking. That, that's what it also came about. I was just like, why is she? Why is that so exceptional? That there's just like. You know, some legend in politics is just nice. And then I just started thinking about it more and I was just like, fuck, they're all tense. They're all thinking, how the fuck do I stay off the front page today? That's that's, 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 that's wow. their day. Yeah, they're... Uh, they're tense cunts. Wow, they're... Uh, yeah. They're being yeah. hunted by the media, basically. They're being hunted they by... Know look, I think that what... They say one thing out of line and... They're done. They're toast. I think that what will happen with Jody is that at the moment she... And it's through no fault of her own. She's extremely charismatic, extremely nice. She has connections in the media. I'm sure that she has some name recognition, but I just don't think it's anywhere near as high as Luke Foley. It might be just that she's been in for a while or whatever, but there's no intense focus on her at the moment, probably because we just had an election, so they're not trying to pull her apart. Mm-hmm. But I reckon if I interview her three years from now, this is going to be my prediction, I think she's going to be a lot more guarded. I think this, the job would nece- uh, necessitate it. And I think that's just a sign of our cool. times. Cool. Well, yeah, it remains to be seen. It, it remains. To I be wonder seen. if she would even do an interview with you if she was uh, on the cusp of uh, either winning or just about to have an election or just having won or just having lost an election. Whether well, look, you do because you know what I realize. I am fucking the Bill Maher of Australia at this point. Like that, if if a politician is in office, they're not coming to me. They're, they're not going to have like a if they. It's that kind of a thing, right? Like, was there Bill any Shorten wouldn't want to do an interview with me? But yeah, he would probably want to do one now. Was there any blowback when you did the uh, by the m- mainstream media when you did the one with Kevin? Yeah, what was not it? Not to me, but to Kevin Wright. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because 
the whole interview was just about how the media operates. And mm. so the Murdoch press just went out there and did one of their coded messages that they do to politicians of just saying, look at her, Julia Gillard, look at how great she is. As soon as she left policy, uh, politics, she just shut up about politics. She can't get over, uh, unlike Rudd, who can't get over his own ego, etc., etc. Basically, I, th- I think we were talking about this before. Yeah, that's right. What they're saying. Yeah. yeah. They just want, just for listeners that don't know, they just want the politicians to know that even so, if they're on the side that they don't oppose, as soon as they leave politics, they've got a place <coughs> where they can shell their books or their speaking tours or whatever if they play ball. But if they're like Kevin Rudd, they'll be demonized in the public. All right, so it's like a warning shot. It's a warning shot. Mm. And anyway... Don't step out of line. Yeah, that's 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 uh, what Rod was explaining to me. What was going on as to why they were just aren't attacking they all, him in the press? Aren't they all pretty well off anyway? Do they really need more book deals? And I guess well, when you're in that in in that little sector of the elites, everyone's making millions a year. So maybe you feel like you want to make more. I don't maybe know. you want to make more, but also I think it's just a thing of they release books and they want people to read them. Might not even yeah, be sure. about the money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kevin Rudd doesn't have that place in the press precisely because he talks out about it. But yeah, look, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying that it's just kind of a shame that the world doesn't necess- it, it it doesn't facilitate more Jody McKay's. And like all of these things that we were talking about with comedy and with pop culture. And just with generations, I think they're all just reflections of the same thing. There's a tensity here, and as you said, I, I swear it's something to do with the. I swear it's something to do with social media. All, all of it points to that. Yeah. So sure. it's kind of just a. It's dude. It's pretty fucking melancholy if you think about it. Anyway, we're probably yeah. gonna wrap up, but it's it's a melancholy thought. Hmm. Interesting. I'll be. Uh, I'll. I'll try to be more aware of. When I when I talk to eighteen year olds versus when I talk to twenty eight year olds, see, see the what the main difference is. Yeah. That that can't just be put down to age. Mm. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, cool. Thank, thanks for listening, guys, Thank and you. see you next time.